Welcome to Church 213. We're so glad you're listening to our sermon series titled Summer in the Psalms, where Pastor Ryan will walk us through the Psalms and how we can use them as godly reflections to look backward, look around, and look forward to strengthen our walk with God. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, church. Y'all alive and well this morning? Y'all ready? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Parker, Frank, Dom, and and team. Always set a full table for us, and we do not certainly take that for granted. Amen. Hey, you know, as well as I do, this week kicked off college football. Everybody's got to cheer for somebody, right? There's been some people that have been waiting all summer to knock the dust off, to get it out there. And one of the things that I've noticed, and especially noticed yesterday, is it is not, uh, it's not hard to figure out who the home team is when you're watching a football game because of the home fans. I mean, it's pretty obvious who's playing at home because the majority rules. But think about this. Even though the game's not about them, those people in the stands can make a huge impact on the game. And there's a term for that. The term for that is home field what? Advantage. Home field advantage. See, home field advantage occurs when, when the energy of the group magnifies what is happening on the field. And all of a sudden, the energy in the stands, what it does, it helps the team do better and to push, push past the opposition. I don't know if you realized it yet, but the fans aren't physically going through what the players are going through in the field. What's going on? They're not doing the same thing as the, t- the team. But in their support, th- there is such sense of power that they didn't have before, and it is transferred onto the field. And what it seems like, it seems like strength comes out of nowhere when you have home field advantage that is exactly what just happened here we have been a part of something bigger than ourselves we just experienced as believers some home field advantage we we experienced a sense of power because of the praise party on this platform that drew us into something together collectively that we might not have had in ourselves that's the, that's the theme of this morning, collective strength. That's the theme of Psalm 148. We're landing. We, we're not crash landing it. We are, we are with, with, with praise and honor and, and thanksgiving and power. We're landing our Summer in the Psalm series because summer's about over. And so where we are this morning, we're at the very end of the Psalter, not completely at the end, but we're at the very end because the last few psalms all about the theme of this morning. It is a call to join the praise team. I know some of you, that scares you like, is Pastor Don, if I had to get up here, I would melt. That is, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. It's so much bigger than that, church. We have home field advantage. Are y'all with me? We have home field advantage. That's, that's the way I want you to look at our text today. I'm wound tight, if you hadn't noticed. Because this is a powerful word. What we have been called to do is we have been called to be a part of God's praise team. That's why we were made, we're made to worship. That's why we're saved. We're redeemed to worship. That's why we're sustained for His good purposes. We're sustained for worship. Worship, I say, often, is where revelation meets response. And here's what I mean by that. Because of, because of where God's nature meets us on the inside, it causes us an external response. Because of something internal, there's a reaction externally. And the beautiful thing about internal worship is it influences external situations. Did y'all hear what I just said? Because of what God can do in you, it influences how you might have external situations situational influence what goes on in here can completely change 
what goes on in your perspective out here. That's exactly what Pastor Dom read in Philippians 2. An attitude of Christ Jesus. It starts in here. Worship gives the Christ follower home field advantage. And I love me some home field advantage. Even in those neutral sites. I love some home field advantage, right? We, this is part, we are a part of the home field advantage over the devil's deception and lies because home field advantage for the believer allows God's people to push toward the same goal to gather together in power. Welcome to home field advantage, Church 213. Worshiping with other believers, it, and y'all know, it sparks a view of God that you might not really have. It, it might... It might spark something in you that's, that's bigger than a situation that you might be going through because it raises the tide of the place of praise that you might not be able to get to yourself. You might have carried something in here this morning. It just in presence of praise, it has lifted you, not because of maybe something that you have done, but what you see God doing on somebody to your left and right. Because you, maybe you know someone's story to the left or right. And man, if they... If they can give God glory, man, it raises the whole... You know what? The, the, the tide raises all the ships, doesn't it? That's the advantage of home field advantage. What a beautiful picture of grace. The, that we get to be a part of the praise party of heaven. It ain't about us. But we get to play a small part. We see that in Psalm 148. So if you're willing and able, let's stand together. Psalm 148. We have the opportunity, not the right, we have the opportunity to join the praise party of heaven. That ought to make you shout. Y'all need to calm down. Psalm 148. Give you guys some time to get there. It's pretty much right in the middle. If you open it up, you'll land somewhere in Psalm. Psalm 148, verse 1. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all heavenly armies. Praise Him sun and moon. Praise Him all you shining stars. Praise Him highest heavens. And you waters above the heavens, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Bara. He sat them in position forever and ever. He gave an order that will never pass away. Verse 7, praise the Lord from the earth, all sea monsters and ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and cloud, stormy wind that executes his command. Just means authority. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creatures that crawl, flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, young men as well as young women, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty covers the heavens and the earth. He has raised up a horn for his people, resulting in praise to all his faithful ones, to the Israelites, the people close to him. And the church, y'all say the last word together. Hallelujah. That's it. You guys can be seated. Now, I don't know if you hear this and you're like, man, that is a praise song that I want to crank up in my car. But when this was written, possibly, you know, 1500 B.C., this was it. This was that air drums on the dash situation at the red light. This was, this was, this was some, some praise music that they would crank out. Psalm 148 is a hymn of praise. Of the 150 psalms that we call the collective psalter, the praise, the playlist of praise for the Israelites that they would use to, to look back and to look around and to look forward to God's faithfulness. This is one of the praise psalms. And we find those at the end. And they all have one theme. It's the same theme of this morning for Church 213. The theme is this, to bring attention to the greatness of God. Exclamation point. To bring attention to the greatness 
of God. If you look at your text, it ends in verse 14, hallelujah, exclamation point, right? To bring attention, that's the idea. And the idea is summed up in one word. We've already said this word, we've already sang this word this morning, the word is hallelujah. All of those praise songs are summed up in that one word. And, and even though hallelujah is one word, in Hebrew, the original comes from two words that have, been, that have been mashed and merged into one. The first half of the word of hallelujah is the word hilliel. Hilliel. And it means to praise. It means an expression of gratitude or adoration. You hear hallelujah in hilliel? For example, if you hold the door for somebody unexpectedly that has an arm full of stuff, you know, they're walking and you just, I got it, I got it, and you open the door, they might say this to you, praise you, right? Bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. you know, that, that's the idea. What is meant is you should be recognized by others for what you've done. That's the idea of the first part of hallelujah. Praise for something that has been done. To, to express or, or, or adoration. But the question is, praise what? It's a two-word, right? It's a two-word. So you have, you have the first part of hallelujah, but then you have this, the last part, which is, which is yah. Haliel, yah. Hallelujah. You see it in English. It's, it's there. And it's a shortened word. It's a shortened word for the name of God, Yahweh. So what does hallelujah mean? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And here's the interesting thing. Just like Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150, they all start and they all end with hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It sandwiches it. It's the praise song. See, some psalms tell us, tell us what worship is. Some psalms tell us how we are to worship. Some of these psalms tell us why we are to worship, and we've been digging them out the last 13 weeks. But I love Psalm 148 because it tells us who should worship and where to worship. It kind of, uh, it kind of wraps it all together. It is the crescendo. It is that, it is that um, song that the crowd yells out at the end of what they think is the set. Just one more. Just, you know. You know, when you say just one more, you don't want a tribute band to come out and play some slow, somber song, do you? What do you want to play? The greatest hit, right? You want the, you want the pyrotechnics to go off. You want the cymbals to go crazy. You want, the, you, know, you, want the, you want them to give everything they've got to close the show. That's what we see in the last few chapters, the last few psalms of the Psalter. It is a all-hands-on-deck, home-field advantage. Lights are going out. Fourth, you know, it, it is there. You get the picture? And what we see right here is that all of God's creation are to join praising Him from, from the highest of the heavens to the lowest parts on earth. God is to be made much of. We are to make Him famous. And not just humans. See, people think that, that we're the only objects of praise. Like, you know, we're it. That we are to give God praise. But that is so far from what this is saying. That is so far from the truth. The reality is, it is not about us exclusively. Amen? There is a praise team. I'm talking of universal proportions. And we get to be a part of that. Wow. That changes perspective. God does not need my praise. RJW. He does not need my praise, but he deserves my praise. To God be the glory. And that is the point. That, that's what the psalm is, is saying here. He is, making, he is making the point that everyone and everything should live each day with a hallelujah on your lips. And I, man, that is my prayer for you, that you will live every day with a hallelujah. To praise the Lord, just just coming out of your life. And I'm here to tell you, if you live a life with hallelujah on your lips, what that does, it puts you on the stage with the praise team of heaven. Wow! Y'all just thought you're just coming in here 
sing a few Jesus songs. No, you are joining the symphony of creation, church. Smile about it. There was a praise party going on before you were born. While you were sleeping. We were in Guyana. We talked about drooling in your sleep. They call it dribbling. While you were dribbling last night, there was a praise party going on. Before you walked in here this morning, there was, creation was getting after it. See, we don't dictate worship. How we praise and who we praise doesn't get defined by us. We just get to jump in on the party. God is setting and getting praise from everywhere, and we get to add to the symphony. See, if you see your worship that way, and I hope you do, if you see your worship that way, what it does is it helps you be so more uh, less selfish about a style or a preference or an opinion or, or maybe even some tradition that affects biblical worship. You see, when you become the object of worship, you, you draw into what you think worship should look like and, and what you wrap the label in. And you begin to, to act a certain way and, 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 and forget that it's a reflection of the heart. Your perspective gets all messed up. October of 1517. That was a while ago. A priest and scholar, Martin Luther, approaches the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany, and he nails a piece of paper of it containing the 95 revolutionary opinions about indulgences that would begin the Protestant Reformation. We are here today because of this moment. And of the 95 problems that Luther had with the church, tattoos and drums and screens and choir verse praise teams were not one of them. That, that was not in there. Think about it like this. I don't care what the tablecloth looks like when I'm on a dinner date as long as Debbie feels love and I get to hold her hand. I could care less about what my napkin was wrapped in. I could care less about what was going on on my left and my right when my focus is there. Y'all write this down. Worship wars are detrimental to unity because they're rooted in internal preferences instead of the external expression of God's glory. We're getting somewhere this morning. Internal preferences instead of the external expression of God's glory. That's, that's where there's this, this, this unnecessary draw and battle comes out. So what this psalm is showing for us is how are we to be the part of the praise team, the symphony of heaven. Where, where do we fit into this? We don't all fit up here, and I'm okay with that. There's some, you don't want me around here. I, you know, I can be slightly dangerous here, feel comfortable here. You don't want me here. I, you know, but God has a place for me in my life in the, in the symphony of heaven. So what we see, write this down, some things you can hang on to. The praise team includes the heavens above. That's what we see in verse 1 through 6. The psalmist is given this huge overview. Remember, from, from the highest of the heavens to the lowest parts of the earth, he's laying out how we can be a part of the praise team of heaven. Look at verse, look at verse 1. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly armies. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, highest heavens. And you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He set them in position forever and ever. He gave no order. He gave an order that will never pass away. So what are we to do? If we're going to find our place in the praise team, we've got to have the right perspective. We have to look up. That's what this is saying. If we want to see this whole praise team, the first thing he's saying is you've got to look up. He mentions the angels. And the reason that he starts with the angels is because it's setting the tone for who gets worship. And it's not the angels. The angels aren't to get worship. 
You have to know the context. This was being sung in, in the middle of a culture that were given worship to just anything. And so for the, for the boundaries of these people, he's laying some things out that, that praise should not be. It should, it should not be angel worship because in the middle of the culture, they would, they would be there quick to, to worship angels. Just take Greek mythology, for example. If you dig into it, angels were thought of as a lower level of the divine. And, and if you would worship these lower level of divine, then you would begin to gain greater knowledge. That's where Gnosticism came out. Gnostic just means to know that you can understand things in a greater way if you would worship some angels. And that is still going on today. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just repackaged with, with New Age movements. Scientology. Witchcraft. Channeling. Astrology. It'd be like celebrating a baseball bat that was used to hit a home run instead of the hitter. You see what I'm saying? I mean, unless that batter picks up the bat and takes it to the plate, that, that bat has nothing in itself that causes the crowd to, to rise and to cheer. It would be silly to give all the attention. It would be silly to interview the bat. That's the idea. Christians, we, we, have to, we have to be careful that we have, we have no part in this paganism. Because Psalm 148 applies. It is a stand for the Israelites that angels shouldn't be used to discover one's true self. Angels are created beings who themselves must worship. No more angels are being created. Angels aren't having little angels. That's bad theology. Every angel that, that has existed and does exist has already been created as part of the creation. And when a believer dies, we don't become angels. And I, I mean, it, it, sweet as it is to imagine, Meemaw doesn't get her wings every time a bell rings. But a lot of people believe that. That we somehow are changed in our nature. We, we aren't. In a twinkle of an eye. We're, we, 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 can be, we can be changed in location. But we are who we are. And our, and our resurrected bodies will meet our, uh, our spirits again. And we will live and reign with the angels. And with Christ for all of creation. We don't become, we don't become those. Angels are like the rest of the praise team that ultimately exist to thankfully acknowledge their creator. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 19. So you're at Psalm 148. It's not far. It's just around the corner. Go to Psalm 19. I'm not saying Meemaw is not in heaven. Don't, don't miss... I'm saying Meemaw is not in heaven as an angel, okay? You want to clear that up? I don't want any emails tomorrow which I forward to Pastor Dom. Here's what Psalm 19 tells us. Psalm 19 says in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaims the work of His hands. This is right out of Genesis 1. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge there, there is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message, though, has gone out to the whole earth and their word to the ends of the world. See, what, what this is saying, Psalm 19 is, in, is interpreting and it's, making, it's, it's, it's drawing clarity out of Psalm 148. They're working together. What it's not saying is that the sun and the moon and the stars literally speak words of praise like us. They don't... They don't speak words of praise. That's Psalm 19. The way they speak and the way they live a hallelujah life is by their mere existence. And what this says is they never go away. They never change. They never stop declaring God's existence and His power forever and ever and ever and ever. They keep going and and glowing and, and praising God. 
by their, the, the fact that they exist makes them a part of the praise team. And they're they are incredible. There's one particular, there's one particular star. Um, it's a neutron star. And it's part of a collapse of a larger star. But this neutron star, it, it's a thousand light years away from, from us, from Earth. It rotates on its axis a, um, 11 times a second. A star. So this thing, this thing is forever and ever and ever, day in, day out, 24-7, 365. It's just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And the Bible is telling us that this thing is proclaiming, is worshiping. It's called the Vela Pulsar. And what modern science has allowed us to do is capture what that sounds like. So while we're in here singing glory to God forever, while the drums are going and the keys are going and the guitars are going, this thing is also going. While we're singing and we're praising and, and, and you know, this thing is just spinning and spinning and spinning. It's part of the symphony. I want you to hear it. Y'all want to hear the Vela Pulsar? It sounds like this. Man, keep it going. Keep it, turn it up a little bit. That thing is getting down. I mean, if it had a guitar, it is like down here. So we, just a minute ago, we were standing and singing, glory to God forever. And this thing, I mean, it's just, it's just spewing out glory. Every day, every night. Last night, while you were dribbling, this thing was praising. When you're eating lunch today, this thing is just praising. It's spinning. It's just doing its thing. The heavens declare the glory of God. Here's what I want you to take away. When the heavens praise the Lord, it sets an example for us to do the same thing. That's the takeaway. Our worship, church, listen, our worship be consistent. Our worship should always be visible, never hidden. Our worship should be constant, and our worship should be, should be seen by the other people in the symphony. We shouldn't be caught distracted. We should be prepared every day, knowing that, hey, the Vela Pulsar, it's not sleeping. It's not sleeping. It's moving. Look at verse 5 and 6. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. Verse 6, he set them in position forever and ever. He, he gave an order that will never pass away. So like the angels and the moon and the stars, his decree establishes them, and they stand firm, church. They're reliable. See, if you, if you feel like you can't worship today, and there are moments where you just... It's, beyond, it's, it's hard to get out of bed and get going sometimes, isn't it? What in, I, I face that at times. There, there are moments where you just, you just feel the heaviness of the day. You feel the clock, and you just want to stay in that place. But what helps me is to know that God's glory is being proclaimed, and I have a role to play in it that day, and I have to get up because the Vela Pulsar is spinning like crazy. And I want to get in on that. The sun's going to come up. The moon's going to rotate. And the stars are going to twinkle. And what Revelation 5 tells us is the angels. This is written, John, he sees this. It says, Then I look and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. That's a bunch. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So what are we going to be doing all of creation with the Vela Pulsar? We're going to be living with a hallelujah on our lips. So what we see is, is the heavens are declaring 
But then he, what, he's, what he's doing is he's working his way north to south. The second thing is this. He says, the earth and the seas are proclaiming the glory of God. The praise team includes the earth and the seas. The praise team includes the earth and the sea. Look at verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth. All sea monsters and ocean depths. Lightning, hail, snow, cloud, stormy winds that execute His command. Mountains and all the hills, fruit trees and all the cedars. This represents strength. Wild animals and all cattle, creatures that crawl and birds flying. See, I love the progression because what we see here is the praise team's growing. Our praise team, it, 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 it's full, it grows from time to time. People, people add, and, 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 and the, the, the ability that we have to praise here on this stage continues to expand over time. We've come a long way in 15 years. What we see right here is the praise team, the symphony of heaven, is growing. It's getting bigger. And there's an invitation for the creatures under the heavens to join the praise team. Everything in creation, hail and snow and mist or wind, the, the mountains and, and all the hills, they say hallelujah. How do they say it? By their, by their power and their existence. You ever stood? Maybe it's just me, okay, because sometimes... I like to live life on the wild side and stand out in a thunderstorm. Anybody else like to stand when a storm's rolling in and just consider the majesty of God? Like, wow. The clap of thunder, how, it, how, the, energy, how the energy of a lightning bolt actually splits the atmosphere and how when the air rushes back into that space, that's where thunder comes in. Wow. I just like to stand out there. Unbelievable to see a rainbow, to see a, to see a sunset, to see a sunrise and go, to, to God be the glory. Hallelujah. It's, it's proclaiming. That's what it's saying. What it's, what it's doing is they are proclaiming and hallelujah because that's their nature. That's, that's what they were created to do. To proclaim Life in their existence with a hallelujah on their lips. Think about, think about some beautiful things in nature. I just found some things this week that just were breathtaking. Look at this one right here. Wow. This one. This is, this is in Yosemite National Park. This is called the Dawn Wall. This is El Capitan. It's the largest granite face, I think, in our nation. And just at certain times of the year, the sun will shoot through the peaks and it will, it will penetrate and it will reflect off of the snowdrifts that are coming over and it looks like the side of El Cap's on fire. Wow. I mean, how can a person stand at the base of this and bow and worship that rock. Can't. It's just an object that God is using to proclaim the, the glory of God. Here's another one. That's that's kind of that's kind of scary. Yeah, I mean if you're that's that's why there's nobody on the beach. <laughs> okay. But for us, we look at that storm and that spout. I've actually seen something like you know, if you spend a lot of time on the beach, you can see those things. It's like, oh my goodness, that is incredible. Run! But you look at it. You know, I, I think the sign is funny. It, it says, it says 45 paces to the chair rental. You know, and everybody's, they're gone. Because why? They're in awe of the majesty and the power of what can happen. See, let's not forget, church. There were people in the Old Testament, just like on earth today, that are willingly giving praise to the creation and not the creator. And no doubt, yeah, there's some unbelievable stars, there's some unbelievable scenes, some mountains, trees, mountain peaks, animals out there, but they are not to be worshipped. They are not to be worshipped, but unfortunately they are. You know, just take Hinduism, for example. 
Hinduism is a worldview that's been developed, been developing for 4,000 years. It has no founder and it has no creed. It's just a philosophical idea. It's an Eastern religion. And what it tries to do is it tries to explain the meaning of life and suffering. I've got it. This is the meaning of life and suffering. It's found right here. God has communicated it to us. But what their idea of, of, of to, to understand the meaning of suffering in life is they bought into this idea that, that, that you can somehow arrive at greater knowledge through a series of deaths and life and deaths and life and deaths and life, karma and re- reincarnation. You know, they think that that's a, that's a cycle that will somehow give the heart the answers to the question that it truly longs for. And because of this inconspicu- inconspicuousness, they worship cows. And the reason that a lot of, not all Hindus, some Hindus uh, don't even believe that there is a God. It's, it's very, very strange. But some believe that because of the anatomy and the usefulness of a cow, then somehow one of the gods reside in that cow and they worship those cows. They worship those cows. And what will happen is there are people in those villages in India that are starving because they have nothing to eat, and yet they're worshiping a bone-in ribeye. Get the knife. No doubt a cow is amazing. They have four-chambered stomachs. A cow's digestive system is one of the greatest wonders of creation design in the animal kingdom. The first chamber can hold 50 gallons of water. But when a cow drinks water, it actually goes into the second chamber. It bypasses the first because you know what's going on in the first chamber? All that hay that's being eaten is being mysteriously rolled up in little tiny balls so they can come back up into the esophagus and the cow can chew it again. That's where we get the the term um, chew and cud. You know? Anybody say that when you're talking? We say it in my house. What have y'all been doing? We're just sitting here chewing the cud or chewing the fat, you know? We're just talking. We're spending time. And what that does is that, that that cow is able to absorb those pesky cellulose and hay, unlike any other cattle that will make milk and cheese and butter, wow. The average cow can produce more than 4,000 quarts of milk a year. That's enough for 60 people. We eat a lot of cereal at my house. We probably need a cow and a half. Give me the whole milk. Don't give me the 2% stuff. But you know what? They are God's gracious gift to us. I'm not going to worship a cow. Yes, we should be good stewards of animals. Yes, we should, we should be good stewards of rivers and hills, the giant sequoias, the trout, the coral reef. I get it. But all of those things that put us in awe, that awe and that wonder should turn our eyes to the wisdom and the power of the Creator. Amen? That's where we are. That's what, exactly what Genesis chapter 1 tells us. It's the history book of the universe. It's an eye-opening experience. Look at, look at Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And they will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And he created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And God blessed them. And God said to them, you be fruitful, be be productive, and then multiply. Grow the influence of my glory is what he's saying. Fill the earth and subdue it. Be stewards of it. Rule the fish of the sea. Somebody get the bait. The birds of the sky. Somebody get the shotgun. Every creature that crawls on the earth. Get the A1. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky. Is there 31? 
And for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything that hath breath of life in it, I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, then morning, 24 hours, the sixth day. You see that? I'm not worshiping a cow. They're amazing. They're tasty. But they point toward intelligent design that demands my worship. See, write this down. I think it's on your notes. When the creation operates from the blueprint of the creator, a hallelujah stage is built. When the creation operates from the blueprint of the creator, a hallelujah stage is built. I don't want you to miss that. The blueprint is here. When we build a hallelujah life on the blueprint, a stage is there. Promises, we just saw that in Genesis 1. Promises of God are realized. Blessings of God are lavished. I love the word lavish. Joy is found. See, if you want life to start looking different than it does right now, live a hallelujah life. That's the change. And so the progression is going from the heavens, I'm talking about from the Bella Pulsar, to the cow, and now it's working its way down. It's working its way down to the praise team that includes God's people. This is, this is the good part. This is where we come in. And I can tell by the looks in your face that y'all have been waiting for this for a week. Some of you guys are on the edge of your seat. The last thing I want you to hold on to is this. The praise team includes God's people. The praise team includes God's people. We do have a part to play. I can't spin around 11 times in a second. I might try, but it'd be dangerous. Cost me a deductible. I don't recommend it. But I do have a part to play, right? It's right here. Look at verse 11. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, young men, as young men as well as young women, old and young together. That's pretty much everybody. Let the praise of the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty covers heaven and earth. He has raised up a horn for his people, resulting in praise to all his faithful ones, to the Israelites, the people close to him. Hallelujah. That's when we step in. That's, that's where we enter. Mankind, there. The crown of creation. That'll put a pep in your step, right? The crown of creation. The image bearers, which means we were made with the ability to have a personal relationship with God. That's why we alone are the, our image bearers. We, we have God's communicable attributes. There are things that are in God's nature that he imputed to us so that we can have a relationship with him. And the psalmist, what he's doing is he's wrapping up the point that all of us are prone to wander from God to other things. We seek out substitutes by nature. That's what he's saying. He's like, some people, are, they're going to worship angels. Don't do it. There are some in your culture that are going to worship animals. Don't do it. There are some people in your culture that are going to worship nature. Don't do it. But if you take out angels and animals and nature, really, selfishly, what's the only thing left to worship? Ourselves. So what he's saying is, don't worship yourselves. Don't you do it. You know, we're the only created thing that can consider the glory of God and then willfully refuse to join the praise team. That Vela Pulsar is not just spinning and spinning and... Go back to that. That thing is not going to one day just decide, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm too tired to give God glory. It doesn't happen. Go back to that tree. 
you know what? That, those, that, that the creations one day is not just going to say, I'm done with this. I'm going to turn my back. Flip to the, the dawn wall. That thing is not going to turn its back on the Lord. It's not going to live selfishly. Go to the last one. That storm right there is not going to one, one day as creation who is created by God to give Him glory just refuse to do it. Because the, the Scripture says they do it with His authority. They understand who He is over their life and they submit willingly. Have you ever thought about it like that? That we were made in God's image unlike anything else. And yet we can be prone to wonder. Man. See, what, what makes you think that a person gets the privilege of joining a praise team in heaven when they die and they had absolutely no interest in worshiping God while they were on earth? That is a sobering reality. I mean, as pastor, I can't in good conscience, according to the Scripture, preach somebody into heaven. I can't do it. So what am I doing? You're preaching your funeral right now. You ever thought about it like that? Really, all I can, with, with, with the way that you're using your life that God gave you, all I can do is give a summary and comfort your family according to the Scriptures. That's my role. Wow. What are you going to do with the dash between the dates? Because I'm certainly not going to make something up. See, apart from God's grace and drawing us to faith in Jesus, what do we do? We all put our place in God's place, naturally. That's just the, the, the nature of our heart. Adam and Eve did it in the garden. Nebuchadnezzar did it in Babylon. And we do it, listen, we do it when we put our own interest in the place of God's glory. And that's just called sin. Sin separates us from the Father. Because we're stealing God's worship. I don't want to steal God's worship. I hope you don't want to steal God's worship either. But it's so easy to do it, isn't it? See, that's the danger of the enemy. The enemy doesn't hate you. He hates God's glory in you and through you. He is a glory stealer. So don't, when, when, when the Bible says in John 10 that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, what he, he's not trying to destroy you because don't think so highly of yourself that you have something that really, uh, really scares the enemy. What is a threat to the devil is the glory that God can get through your broken life, through his redemption. And so if God can rob you from giving God glory, he's stolen God's glory. And that is exactly what he's been trying to do since the moment he was exiled from heaven. He is a glory stealer, and I'm not giving my glory away. Amen. If, think of the power, think of the home field advantage we would have if we are selfish with God's glory. Man. And that is the thrust of the New Age movement. Modern, modern worldviews that believe that, that we can somehow become God. That one, one New Age teacher was quoted saying, a great awakening is taking place. Individuals across the world are tapping into their internal power to understand who they are and using that knowledge to elevate their lives and their circumstances. Catch this. To a higher octave of happiness and productivity another said i found god in myself and i loved her fiercely church listen listen to me you know it and i knew it left alone to self-help is not going to elevate us to some higher knowledge you know what it's going to do it's going to spin us into chaos it's going to make things a little worse i'm not going to figure it out at all, I'm not going to figure it out. It's going to pull me deeper into the abyss of pain and chaos because that's we have a natural bend away from God. Person, I want you to... You don't have to live in a tailspin, is what I'm saying. You don't have to live there. We, we can join the praise party as the image bears we're made to be. All we have to do is just play our part the best we can for His glory day in and day out. And I love what this verse is saying at the end. Look at verse 14. We're closing up. He has raised up a horn for his people, resulting in praise to all his faithful ones, to the Israelites, the people close to him. Hallelujah. 
See, what this is saying is the Israelites were to understand if they were to worship the way God had rescued them from exile to worship, the other nations could join in the praise party because of what they were doing. The cross has the final word. And when we give God praise because of the exile that he has brought us out of, from, from death to life, other people around us, other nations around us, other philosophies around us that are searching and living and facing pain and chaos and confusion, they can look and they can say, man, there's something different. What is going on in that person's life? And you have the opportunity to say, the cross has the final word. And I'm living with a hallelujah on my lips. And it changes things. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to get out-worshipped by a whale. There is, the Scripture says if we don't praise, the rocks will cry out, and there's no rock going to cry out in my place. Amen? So the question for us this morning is how, how do you fit into the praise party? John Piper recently said of Christ in heaven, and I love it. He said, if you hope to see him, you'll hope to live like him now. And if you hope to see him, there'll be no evil that will rob you of your joy now. See, sin breaks stuff. Worship fixes stuff. And there's coming a time, church, where Psalm 48 will be the reality. Where everything in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth will finally, through the redemption of the cross, Romans 1, can stand and can say for all of eternity, praise the Lord. And what we do is we have an opportunity with our lives to be a part of that team. All we have to do is be willing to step up and play whatever instrument God has given us to play. Let me ask Darren. Come on up, Darren. <clears throat> what I want Darren to do is just jump on his instrument. And he's going to begin to play. What he's doing, is he's, he, is, he is joining with his peace the praise team on a Sunday morning for all of eternity. He's just joining the symphony. He's got a small, he's got a small piece to play. You know what? You get up in the morning, most of us will never be able to do this so beautifully. But, but God has given you something to play. Some part to play in the symphony of heaven. And when you bring your part to the table, man, the nations are going to cry out.